Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Setting the Tone Interviews. Uh, this month we are thrilled to get the chance to sit down with Terrence Nightingall. Terrence was a Steadicam operator on the show uh, for a total, late lead Steadicam operator on the show for a total of 207 episodes between 1999 and 2009, and also got the chance to direct two episodes as well. Uh, Terrence, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, my pleasure, glad to talk to you. So to get us kind of started off on the right foot, how did you get your start as a Steadicam operator and then what led to you getting the job on ER? Uh, regards becoming a Steadicam operator, I was obviously on the show as a first assistant camera and uh, was intrigued by how it all really started with a young operator that, by the name of Guy B uh, that came in and sort of started mm -hmm. the whole moving trend with the Steadicam on uh, on er so i was around him for a few years before he went off to do some other shows and then dave commodities came in so it was kind of a natural progression to me i always wanted to move on from camera assisting to camera operating so it was really a natural progression and um, i was fortunate enough that you know i was able to just step into their steady cam rigs practice at lunch, sometimes before work, sometimes after work, and just practice and practice and practice until, you know, um, at a certain point I became proficient enough to be able to, uh, nice. you know, take over the show as a Steadicam operator. So so before you started on the show, um, no experience with the Steadicam at all before the, the, not know, being the guy's no, assistant? No, not operating. I, I've been around Steadicam for years, you know, as a, as a camera assistant. I mean, I had, uh, you know, spent many years in the UK as a camera assistant coming up through the ranks before I came uh, to live in the States. And then uh, just moving on to how I actually became to get on the show. Um, and a little correction for you, I was actually... Uh, on ER from episode one. Got it. Yep. That's that was one of the things that Dave uh, yeah. pointed out. Yeah, was that uh, you yeah. were the assistant from day one? Yeah. And how that happened was, I was actually I stepped out of the business for a couple of years um, to go off and pursue a dream of fashion business, and that's a whole nother story. But whereas I actually went out the business and actually um, lived on a Native American reservation for two years and built oh, wow. and and helped build an industry of making clothes and um building facilities and bringing help from new york and los angeles to uh educate uh people on the on the reservation on how to put clothes together and everything else anyway that's a whole nother long story but from there um at the end of it, unfortunately, as business does, it, it, it had its time. So at that point, um, I had to come back into the business. And at that point, when I came back into the business, you know, I made a few phone calls to some old contacts that I had and started off through a few different companies. And I ended up working with a cameraman by the name of Tom Del Ruth. And Tom Del Ruth was the cameraman that did the mm -hmm. pilot for ER. And I did a few movie of the weeks with him. And he said to me, look, you know, there's this show ER, I did the pilot for it. Um, I'm going to start it. His regular assistant was off doing a feature film. So he asked if I would go with him and start the show. He said, you know, um, his assistant will probably come back at some point and then he'll take over the show. And I said, fine. I was, you know, 
looking for work and ready to, ready to accept whatever came in. So what in actual fact happened was, so we came in, I started the show with Tom Del Roof. Tom Del, Tom Del Roof, I think, left after three or four, I, three or five. I think, that's, I think that's what Guy told us. Yeah, it wasn't very long. Yeah, it wasn't very long. And I ended up being there for 15 years. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how things turn around. But yeah, not, not bad yeah. for a short term gig. Yeah, really. Um, so you started out as first assistant camera operator. Do you have any memories from that first episode and what your feelings were at the time? Uh, boy, that's a that's a that's a mm-hmm. long call. Um, I can't say I really have anything that sticks out to me at this point that was specific about that. Um, I think, in all honesty, at that point, it was just another show. Sure. Um, you know, because on those first episodes, everybody was still feeling it. So it wasn't as if anything was set. And, um, as usual, it's like, you know, getting to know the cast members and the cast members coming together. And of course, the cast members were under a lot of pressure at the beginning because this was a really tough gig for actors mm-hmm. to come in because it was a combination of learning all this medical jargon that you had no idea what it meant. And then having to use your hands in combination with these these medical words and terms that you didn't understand and act, mm-hmm. so it was so everybody was uh, you know kind of under due stress and um, uh, which is normal for any new show anyway. It's, you know there's a, there's always a, a form of pressure for any new show to come and find its feet. So you know that that's really what I remember um, from uh, from being on that that first show and except coming away thinking you know. Uh, I enjoyed it. Happy to be here. Looking forward to doing the next one. Right. So being that you were kind of, you know, learning on the job when it came to the Steadicam itself, how did your personal learning curve with it kind of evolve and the complexity of some of the shots that you guys were doing kind of evolve over time? Yes. Uh, well, first, you know, first of all, regards the Steadicam rig, it's it's basically learning the mechanics mm-hmm. of, because the Steadicam, in my mind, for you to be competent and for that to work with you, that piece of equipment has to become part of you. Yeah. So, or any any movements within your body from your hips, your legs, how you twist, how you turn affects the movement of the camera. So the first thing to learn was basically just to learn to be one with the camera and learn the mechanics of how to hold that thing steady and then how to move with it to be able to keep it smooth. So. That was definitely the first uh, sessions working with the Steadicam. Um, and it took a while. You know, it's a, it's a, I think to use that machinery correctly, it's, 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 it's quite complex to come to terms with that at the beginning. And um, so I persevered with it and just went on and on and on and on. And so at some point, um, you know, we now and again, we used to do the, we used to do another unit, like a little B unit, which had a few scenes that maybe overlapped that we didn't get to for whatever reasons. So this was a good opportunity for me to get my feet wet, so to speak. And unfortunately, the very first scene, and I do remember this, I'll take this to <laughs> <in> the grave. <laughs> the very first scene was with uh, director Chris Miziano. And I knew Chris. Okay. Chris actually worked with my father many years ago <laughs> on a movie called Ian's in Boston. So it's funny how we're all connected one way or another. Yeah. But the first shot was in a bedroom and he had this 
um, for me was really a complicated shot because the first shot was in low mode, which means you switch the whole rig upside down and have the camera uh, at the lower end. So oh, okay. now this is, this turned out to be something that was still a little beyond where my capabilities times <laughs> because I had to move, make this move around the bottom of a bed and come around and move up into this thing. And it wasn't that successful. Um, so anyway, I got through the day regards the rest of the operating and everything else. Once we came in, it was only specifically for that one shot, but I knew to myself, I'm like, Oh God, that didn't work out very well. I'm obviously not ready for that. And of course that night I got a phone call from the cameraman saying well Terence <laughs> I said well I know what you're going to say and he said listen he said let's just put you back in the rig for just a little bit more time and he said you're almost there with everything else was fine but you know let's get you back in the rig and I said I totally agree yeah. so that was my uh, remembrance of my first experience it wasn't that successful <laughs> oh we've all been there <laughs> um oh yeah is there a particular shot or scene that stands out as the most complex or memorable that you filmed moving forward then? Well, I'd say, well I've thought about that question and, and I can't specifically say, yes, this was the one shot that I'll you know remember for the rest of my life. But I'll give you a scenario of what happened, which to me seems comical because <laughs> I ended up doing so many. We had a director of this lady who now runs the DGA. She's the head president of DGA, Leslie Gladder. And I love Leslie Gladder. Leslie Gladder was a dancer. So whenever she came in, she was all this. <laughs> and she would story and she would talk like this all the time. And she was very good. And she could choreograph things very well, being a choreographer and a dancer, which suited me because I'm a bit of a dancer myself. So we got on really well. Um, and I remember there was a particular scene that was a very flexed shot on the ER, you know, going from one end of the ER down to the other end, which involved a lot of transferring dialogue. So it was remembering all the dialogue and remembering all the moments and everybody's movement. It was quite a complex shot. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what episode it was to look it up, but I can just tell you this. Anyway. It, it took a couple of times, and I think by about the third take, I nailed it. So, of course, I put the camera back up. I'm, like, winging wet. I'm sweating. I've got it. I was so, so happy. I'm like, that is a one-off. Mm -hmm. And then she, she looks at me, and she goes, that was absolutely amazing, fantastic. Let's do one more. And at that point, I wanted to get hold of her and take <laughs> You've got to be out of your mind. But anyway, um, I battled with her because I said to her, I don't, I can be here all day redoing this shot. I said, and I will never, ever, will never get the combination of the timing that works. Anyway, I had to do it. So we did it a number of times. I got through it one more time. And of course, it was not a scratch on that one particular one. And that's what we used. <laughs> but that's what I remember about <laughs> <laughs> a memorable shot to be honest with you i did some it was fun where you know we used to have a crane when we was outside in the ambulance bay area mm -hmm. you know we used to do shots where i would pull a gurney out from the gurney we'd see them go in the ambulances and then another one would go off and i'd move and we'd have a crane in the corner and then i would step up as they're getting everybody in the ambulance 
tackle out, I would step up onto the crane. So we had two guys on the crane. So as I stepped on, they stepped off and then they would rise the crane and I would go wow. up in the air and then the ambulance would turn and, and pull out underneath underneath the shop. So we used to do stuff like that, yeah. you know, which is quite tricky and quite dangerous, but an amazing shot. Yeah. So you know, that's, that's kind of stuff. That's the stuff that we completely take for granted because I'm I know exactly the kind of shot you're picturing where it does the pull out from the ambulance bay and it's like oh yeah you guys did have to figure out how to do that yeah that's totally a shot we <laughs> yeah, you know we used to have uh, we, we you know these days we'd have remote heads mm-hmm. on the camera the arm would stick out and as my old cameraman Richard Thorpe would say to me we don't need those remote heads Terrence when we got you we don't need a remote head when we got the dickhead. Is what <laughs> <laughs> oh Love man! It. No, of course That's... I used to put the rig and up I go, and yeah. the way we used to, you know, it was yeah. old yeah. So, yeah. We've yeah. we've definitely come to appreciate those one shots way more now after we've talked to several crew members and figured out just how much goes into those. So now we'll oh. watch and we'll just go, "That was really well executed." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, little things like when you watch those shots, like when you're going down the corridor mm-hmm. and all somebody would come and give them a chart yeah so that was because the dialogue was too long mm. always in the movement so we would put we would we would install moments along those shots where they could stop for a minute soak up a bit of the dialogue and then move on to something else and then somebody would come by with a gurney they'd stop again huh. and yeah. that's how we managed to fit all the dialogue in at times to get to get round, so those little moments that you see were all specifically set to uh, to stall the the movement and the timing because of the dialogue. We also did things like if you remember in the elevator bay, mm-hmm. you know, we did things where it was hilarious. You know, I would do a shot following or leading somebody into the elevator. The doors were closed. They would continue the scene like a two shot inside the elevator, and you could hear this huge noise going outside. And that was where we would pull a completely different wall in for a different floor. So you'd hear all the grips going. <laughs> and then the doors would open and they'd get it, they'd get out and it would be on a different floor. You know, things like that we used to do. Amazing. It's ingenious, but it worked really well. Yeah, that's wow. Okay, this is how I know it's at the end of my work week because I was just like, duh, those weren't real elevators. <laughs> no, they were not. Oh my uh, god, I, I, we can't do these at the end of my work week anymore, Daniel. <laughs> uh, oh man, talk about man, that's gonna completely change the way you watch it for sure. Um, probably me too. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I don't mean to wow. spoil. No, no, we love it. We we yeah. we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't love details like that. So you are great. Yeah. yeah. So uh, moving forward a little bit, you worked on one of the series' most memorable episodes. Uh, one we're actually, as we're recording this, we're not too far off from recording uh, or covering uh, All in the Family, uh, middle of season six, where Carter and Lucy are attacked by a patient. Uh, do you remember anything uh, specific about filming this I episode? And and watched it the other night and that episode right. where they were attacked was actually called be still my heart it was the you're episode right or you're right oh, all yeah. in the family was the the second so, half you're right all in the yeah, all in the family was the second half that was the recovery yeah from that yeah i wasn't sure so i actually watched that the other night and reminded myself that was an amazing episode oh my god i'd forgotten <laughs> you know i mean that whole episode mm-hmm. was insane 
you know, with the flu season and it was so busy, so chock-a-block. It was just a crazy, amazing episode. Mm -hmm. I totally thoroughly watched enjoying it. Good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, I mean, there obviously that's kind of like one of the most uh, memorable and, and one of the moments everybody kind of points to. Um, was there anything, like, did, did it spark any memories for you of, like, man, this was something that, we knew we had something special as we were filming it or was it kind of just like you're 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 so on in the moment that you can't well, process that to be honest generally um uh i'm so in the moment you know mm -hmm. when you like dave and guy b you know when you're in that hot spot on that show you you're the guy and there is there are so many things that you're having to think of you know regards um, everything that's going on in front of that ca that camera, the coordinate mm -hmm. um, with everybody, and um, you know, I have to say, looking back on that episode, it was an insane episode. So, definitely in the moment throughout the episode, just show busy choreographing mm -hmm. all that movie. But then I will say, having watched it again, that the climax of of that scene uh, of what happened in that room. And just looking at those shots, you know, under, did, under the bed, coming mm -hmm. in on the point of view of looking at her under the bed. Yeah, definitely brought up an emotional moment for me. Oh, yeah. Would have, and I would have had that emotional moment at the time because um, the one thing about working on ER on uh, such a regular basis was that I, you know, I, was, I was so emotional so many times on no, and like and I even know what's going on, mm -hmm. but the act um, on that show, and I will say, you know, forever was just amazing. I mean, the guest stars that we had, I mean, obviously our regular cast were all fantastic right. and amazing, but the guest stars that we had, you know, somebody would just come in for a day and it's like, okay, you're going to be a mother of this daughter. This daughter's going to happen to this. This is going to happen to you, or you've got this son. And I would, you know, be filming those scenes and watching the acting uh, of these day players that would come in and they'd have me in tears. Yeah. I was just blown away. And I thought to myself, the talent that is in Los Angeles is, uh, and obviously other people came from New York as well, whatever, but the, but the, the talent was just amazing. So yes, um, definitely uh, brought on emotions with Noah and um, Kelly for that scene at the end, without a doubt. Um, another heart-wrenching episode, oh my god, you were behind the camera for Anthony Edwards' last episode, filmed almost entirely on location in Hawaii. Do you have any particular memories of filming that iconic episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we laugh and cried every day. You know, uh, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, we've become such great friends. I mean, Anthony, you know, for instance, my family and Anthony would get together periodically we used to have a beach house down south um and we used to go down at weekends and spend time with anthony and he came over to my assistant's wedding that we, that we had in puerto rico we were just buddies mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he's an amazing guy i love him to death and i you know also became fantastic friends with um uh Elizabeth, you know, mm -hmm. who, mm -hmm. that um, the name's just gone right out of my head, Alex. Yeah, Alex. Alex. 
I became great friends with Ali. And so it was it was fantastic. But it was hard too. It was it was very emotional. You know, those scenes inside the house with two of them, I was just heart-wrenching, you know, all the time, even though we got because, you know, yes, they're acting and but yes, they're in the scene, but yeah, I was losing a buddy. Right. I've been with for so many years, it's like I'm not going to work with this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was like a double whammy, you know, incredibly uh emotional about that. So yeah, that's 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 in the heart, that one. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. <laughs> For sure. Losing him man. tough. You know. Yeah. Uh, I can yeah. imagine it would be. Yeah, it was really uh, I, I bet it was nice though to get kind of a, a trip to Hawaii out of it though, right? Like you <laughs> you at least well, got a chance to get out of uh... We ended up doing a couple of episodes in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You know, we did the one which is more about Gore and, and uh um and uh, Noah, mm-hmm. you know, when and that was an amazing, that was a hard shoot. That was, you know, hard, you know, hot, sweaty, jungle environment, uh, gun stuff. That was a, that was the other end of the scale, you know, <laughs> right. from that. But yeah, so we, you know, so yeah, it was lovely. You know, I managed to, uh, you know, we took the family out. I, you know, my kids were younger and uh, what's not to like about, you know, working in Hawaii. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And which kind of perfectly leads me into my next uh, question, which that, you know, you did several uh, types of location shoots over the years. What do you prefer? Do you prefer kind of doing location shots that maybe you can play with and do things that are more unique or the kind of the more controlled environment of a set? No, I think I think I prefer location. I mean, I, you know, like on the show I'm on right now, you know, we have our regular sets all the time and I'm a interior design nut. So I'm always looking to, you know, change things up, move things mm-hmm. around, build things up. And it's a, you know, it's a constant challenge. And, um, you know, that was the same with, with ER on the set. You know, the, the things I ended up doing with like sailing bags and stands and, you know, bright light digital machines to put them in the frame and make something out of composition was mm-hmm. always a challenge. So I think being on location gave me, more variety you know where i could work on being more creative with the compositions and stuff like that so yeah generally i think more i prefer locations sure yeah did you was there i know there was a separate crew that would do the chicago shots um the on location stuff in chicago were you ever part of that crew or was that a completely separate unit yeah i went i think we went to chicago anywhere from two to four times a year and um, I would go between one or two times a year. Um, and I always loved going to Chicago. I love Chicago. It was fantastic. You know, we were treated very well when we went to Chicago. And, um, you know, I'd gone, I'd been there in spring. And then uh, and then there was another year that I was there in the winter down on the river. And, oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. My, <laughs> it was a night shoot. And it was so calm but I couldn't get my hands bloody warm and I would have to run off to the nearest, you know, hotel or whatever was open or warm my hands <laughs> because they were so bloody freezing right down the river and then run back to the camera and say, right, okay, you're ready, let's do something. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm cringing because I'm in Chicago right now and my my work is right near that river walk that you guys always shoot on. So every time I'm like, I'm by the ER bridge. But um, no, that cold that just gets into your bones and your hands, I'm just like the best. Well, you, 
you know, the other awkward thing about that is when you're out in the cold, I've got like these Antarctic outfits mm-hmm. on them and all that kind of jazz to keep you warm. And yeah. they say, right, lunch. And I'm like, oh, God, no, it's lunch. Because now we go into a building that they've got all the heating on and it's 80 degrees inside. So you got to take everything off and that takes 20 minutes. There's your whole lunch. You're sweating by the time. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was that was uh, you know the winter time in Chicago was definitely a little tough. I'm more of a spring summer by myself. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just like now I'm just thinking how glad I am to be in my heated apartment right now. Yeah. Um, who were some of your favorite episode directors to work with? Well, I think my uh, mentor and favorite director was Jonathan Kaplan. Um, he. I learned so much from him, the way he was prepared and prepped and uh, maybe sometimes not the way to talk to actors. <laughs> but, but yeah, he had a way. Hey, we go, hey, Juliana, what are you doing over there? you got to get in there. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, oh, well, wait a minute. And he'd be like shouting back and forth and I'm like, okay. <laughs> that was the way just Jonathan was and everybody yeah. loved was but um so he was jonathan was definitely um a mentor for me for directing i think and he uh i ended up having a great friendship uh i still talk to him occasionally now i give him a call every so often um and he would give me once i had gained his confidence he it was it was total freedom to me there were times he would come to me and say right you're going to direct this scene on the duty you know, so things like that. So um, it was really fantastic. And he, had, he would come up with these amazing ideas, you know, like stuff, like all the sets across the back of the trauma rooms. Mm-hmm. He pulled mm-hmm. the whole wall off the back so we could run a camera from one room to the other. He was the guy that came up with that idea. And I thought, ah. brilliant. So we could move, you know, somebody could be in one of the exam rooms. They go from the exam into the trauma room. Move from that, go to the next trauma room. Move over to the exam, end up in the exam room. And you've got, you've done like four scenes in four rooms on one shot. It was brilliant. Right. Yeah, I guess right. without without having to use those doorways and actually just have that back wall. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, they were still coming through the double doors. Right. And just been able to see the whole room from the back there. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. So he, you know, he would come up with ingenious ideas about shooting stuff, and that's you know why I, I learned a lot of ideas and you know, uh, had the courage to go forth and try different things because that's how he was. So I would say Jonathan would be my would be my main mentor. And I think in, a, in another direction, you know, was Chris Chulak, um, our exec producer. Mm-hmm. Chris, was, Chris was kind of more organic and run and gun. If he saw something or if you felt something and you just wanted to go with it, he'd say, go with it. You know, just go, right. go with it. Even if you wanted to, somebody was talking, but you saw something going on here, like off, go over there, register that, then come back to it, you know, stuff right. like that. He, Chris was very organic. So um, that was interesting. I, I, I learned a lot from that aspect from Chris. Um, you know, and my, uh, the other guy I really enjoyed working with was Richard Thorpe. You know, Richard uh, came in as the cameraman and then he moved over as a producer and, and I think mm-hmm. ended up directing the most episodes on ER more than anybody I he's think. up there yeah. yeah yeah i think he's done the most if you look at the numbers and um you know it was interesting because when i first started as the camera operator he was he was the cameraman and he was really hard on me 
when I was learning that first season. It's like he really rode me hard to learn the business as an operator. And uh, that was a tough first year, I've got to say, you know. Anyway, we eventually got over that and then over the years and then we, you know, we become great friends. I, I still call him a couple of times a year and try and see him once a year for lunch. Um, we were just great for, and then towards the end, you know, of it all happening, it was great that he would just, he would call me outside and say, look, you know, I'm stuck on this scene. So give me something, you know, what can we, it was like he would confer in me to work with him to give him ideas of what we could do in this scene, you know, mm -hmm. which was the compliment um, that he could end up paying me. So I, I really respected that. And then I think, just the, you know, the fourth one that really was just so out there and so funky, and a lot of the times I'm thinking they're never going to use this, we're never going to like it, but these really crazy ideas and these crazy shots, and that was Felix Akala. <laughs> and Felix was mixed, you know, in the industry. You either love him or you hate him. He's that type of guy. And, um, you know, when he used to come in, because in the early years he used to come in, he'd pull, he pulled this little car, and he'd have this big boom box and he'd have all his music and all that stuff. So you'd be working all day in between scenes and he'd be having all his music playing. Yeah. So you got, you know, you'd be dancing around doing your stuff in between scenes, setting stuff up and they set a great mood. And yeah. I can't I liked Felix. So, you know, probably top probably top four. Pretty solid list. I mean, Jonathan Kaplan obviously is the name we hear most frequently from people, and it sounds like he, outside of you know Chris Chulock and John Wells, it sounds like he was the guy that understood kind of the formula of the show and what the the specific you know secret sauce that made the show what it was better than almost anybody. Of like the characters, the setting, everything. He just kind of had that the feel for it. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. He was definitely a front runner for the show of the year, without a doubt. Yeah. So how does how does your perspective change when you go from operating the camera to directing an episode like you got to do? You got to direct a couple episodes towards the end of the show's run. Yeah, I mean it, it it's um that's a that's a whole other deal. You know, I mean it's there are so many other elements that you have to think about, you know, mainly of course now is you're totally ensconced in the story mm -hmm. and, 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 and telling this and telling the story and relationships with your actors to tell the story and to, you know, work with them to perceive their characters in the right way to tell this story. Um, you know, fortunately, through coming through camera, you know, the visuals, I'm lucky because I can see things. They don't even mm -hmm. be on paper. I don't have to look through a camera. I see it. You know, that's just through working in camera. So, uh, you know, I was lucky that I, I could put visuals. Uh, that was pretty, pretty natural for me, as it still is today. But it was the whole new learning curve of, because now you know now you've got this huge responsibility. I'm, you know now as a director, you, everybody is reliant upon you, and you are responsible for everything on that set. You know right down to having to do it because of what the money is costing. You know the time which is involved. You know you've got a schedule and a daily schedule to get your scenes done to make them right, and you've got to be able to put your scenes together correctly so you can you've got enough um, bears to cut your scenes together and play a little variation in there if you want to. 
And also you've got to please your actors and you, you've got to please your crew. It's a huge, huge, huge responsibility. And, um, you know, it's, in my mind, it's a, it was an honor to be able to, to given the opportunity to direct on that show. Did, did you find with that that your rapport with the actors already from working on the show so much as a as the Steadicam operator helped with um, when you stepped into directing? Totally. Totally. Yeah, totally. I was already in the box. <laughs> you so were good. <laughs> that was, that was a, a, you know, a great help. I was already liked. We were all friends. Um, so, which was nice because it allowed me to perhaps push a few things. You know, which I, you know, one of the stories that um, I still love today and I think really helped bond the relationship that I have with John Stamos. Um, in the uh, episode that I directed, Separation Anxiety, there, um, there was a lot going on there. I had two young kids that come in and just thoroughly enjoyed working with the young kids on that and working with them and, you know, helping them because uh, it was very emotional and it was very deep. And I had a lot of fun working with them, giving them ideas of what they could pull on to help them for their emotions, stuff mm-hmm. that had just been there over the years that I'd listened to and just who I am, I guess. And all of a sudden I was coming up with these things. I thought, well, I was pretty impressed with myself. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Anyway, and the kid, and the, and the kid got it, you know, and I'm like, I was like, oh, wow, it works. How about that? That was pretty cool. Um, but jumping back to the story with Stamos uh, in that episode, you know, he's, he's got this clash, you know, with his father mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. You know, his father's an alcoholic and, you know, he's got his daughter and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it came, it came to a head where John, you know, had to, he's like, he just lost it. He had to explode. And that was where he, you know, got all of his old man and, you know, gave him a good, gave him a few right-handers outside and told him, gave, gave him a few what for. And that was really explosive because John is, you don't see, he's a comical guy, you know, he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't ever see him heated. Don't ever see him annoyed. I've never seen him annoyed about anything or somebody pissing him off about something. You know, he's always that, jovial guy and I wanted I wanted to see him pissed off you know I'm like I want to see you mad like imagine this is really going on with your dad you know how would you really you know it's like what's going on I need to see this oh of course he came out and did the first scene and he acted it well but it wasn't anywhere near what I was looking for and I remember I ran off the seat I got all different by the collar and I picked him up and I said <laughs> I said you know, like, blah, 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 you fucking old man, blah, 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 get the fuck back in there and go out and give him shit. <laughs> right, let's go. And he, he turned that back in and I thought, well, I'm fired. <laughs> Manhandling the talent. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it, you know, I felt like I did it two or three times and I went at him again and I said, I want more, you know, you don't want to see more of this. And anyway, eventually, I think if you look at the end result, I think you, I think you see you see enough in him there. But yeah. that took a bit of work to get him in there, you know, for that uh, getting that bit of emotion out of him. But uh, that was in the end, we laughed about it. And you know, we've I've seen John numerous times at Paramount where I'm working on NCIS. Mm-hmm. You know, he's over there a lot, so you know, we 
look up and have a little chat and what have you. It's lovely. So, um, and it, actually, he's he's actually on a couple of jobs he's done before. He's actually um, tried to get me on the show. He wanted to get me on the show to come as an operator and direct mm. the episodes on that show, but I was busy on something else, so it never happened. So, but yeah, I've, uh, that was an interesting, you know. Little... But how great to still have that network, though. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like I can I can see him anyway. In fact, I just. Um, just before Christmas, I just called Alex Kingston, who's back in the UK, because mm-hmm. uh, my wife, Kate, Kate Martin, who, uh, incidentally, I actually met on ER. So we uh. are, we are, we are uh, from ER, I think that was <laughs> the second season, or maybe the first, second season, I met Kate. And uh, anyway, we got married from there. And both my kids have now, you know, 24 and 22 were ER babies and spent many time on the set growing up on the set of ER, you know, so, um, but um, yes. Yeah, because um, on NCIS LA, uh, Kate and I wrote the story to a show uh, two seasons ago, and we're looking to do kind of like a follow-up episode. So Kate and I are writing another story and we based it around one of the prior actors that I used before, but the main, that we're writing for is Alex. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh. you know, I'm, we're doing this thing. I just want to know if you'd be interested if we could make it work. And of course, I hadn't spoken to her, to Alex, since she left the R. Oh, wow. Uh, it was, Alex was very upset for all, all the various reasons when she had to leave. And I think she just, um, you know, cut everybody off and went off to get on with her life and what have you. So I say I hadn't spoken to her for many years. So this is the first time I'd spoken to her for years. And we had a lovely conversation. And of course, she would be, uh, she said she'd be honored to, to come and do it. So that's something that we're still working on. Um, but yeah, so you've friendships, you know, I have amazing friendship with Goran. Mackay Fife, or Mackay Fife and I used to go out all the time. You know, we mm-hmm. still, in fact, he's uh, Mackay Pfeiffer's um, double and stunt guy, Richie Barker. Um, comes on our show quite a lot, so I get updates from Mackay. It's a small world, really. Is yeah, small. love it. Yeah. Um, getting us back on topic, as much as I could just go on this for a while. Um, you were behind the camera for the series finale. How did you feel about the show coming to an end, and what was it like having a first-person view of the show's final moments? You know, thinking about that, for me, it was. It, it, it was almost like being numb. It was it was like losing a family member, a close family member, and you don't know where to go, what to say, where to turn. You're just in this place of something that's ended, you know, or it's ending. And um, every day was incredibly emotional. I mean, it was hard. And I had to put my, I had to shift myself mentally to this other place just to get through it it was really really hard yeah that was hard. you know it's 15 years of my life you know absolutely er er rebuilt my life when i came to er i you know i i had did not have anything i had lost everything through this other business so er completely turned my life around you know so it's such a huge part of my life it was it was hard it was really hard yeah so 
shifting gears a little bit, you you've also worked the camera on other similar medical shows, uh, Scrubs, House, to name a few. Um, how did the way those shows were shot and produced kind of differ from ER from your perspective behind the camera? Uh, well, you know, first of all, Scrubs was a, a much lighter, less right. dramatic, less serious um, show. But what was nice about that was that I was able to utilize the mechanics of working with a medical show, like uh, knowing all the equipment, knowing how to utilize, knowing how to make it work uh, mm -hmm. in shots, moving, moving, right. like, moving through shots and setting up uh, the shots. So in that respect, uh, Scrubs was kind of fun. They were fun people and it was light. And, but the basics from everything that I've learned from ER regards to the mechanics of shooting a medical show paid off and was very easy for me. You know, it was like, I would just go in straight away and they were like, who's this guy? And I'm like, move to, <laughs> move to Gurney. We're going to tilt the Gurney here. I'll put the head up here. Yeah. Move here. And they're like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> so that stuff, uh, you know, was handy. And House, you know, really was a very different style. You know, mm -hmm. to me, House was a lot more static. You yeah. know, I remember with the cameraman, Gal Tattersall, you know, and in fact, there was one episode that I was doing over there. My buddy, Tony Godios, was the camera operator on that show. And um, the, the cameraman was off doing something. And so Tony moved up to the cameraman. So I came in to do this episode. And it happened to be an episode that Laura Ennis, uh, they gave Laura Ennis to come in and direct it. So Laura was, of course, was incredibly excited when she mm -hmm. moved on it. So she came in with all these grand ideas of <laughs> moving the camera around and we're going to go around this hallway. And the cameraman was like, whoa, 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 where, where, where are you going? It's this like, is oh, house. Like house, yes. So, you know, just to go around one corridor and turn a corridor was a really big deal mm -hmm. with the camera on house um yeah house was a lot more stayed yeah it was a lot more about the words uh it wasn't i found that i didn't have to use you know much of my experience on er at all um regards the medical show mm -hmm. it was really that was really more about um camera work and i think and trying to find compositions you know, like pretty compositions. And so it was, it was an interesting, different challenge. You know, it was not more, yeah. it was a really popular show, a little more boring for me. I yeah, like we, it. we, <laughs> our, our, some of our listeners would agree. We did a house episode for April Fools, I think last year, where we just pretended it was one of our normal episodes and just covered house for it. And we were all afterwards, we were all like, God, this is so different. Just like the way it's shot, because I think I'm the only one who's watched the House all the way through. So for Elizabeth, it, for Elizabeth and Daniel, it was a bit more like, oh shit, like what are we, what are we looking at? Yeah, yeah. it's very different, very different dynamic, very different platform. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so what in and this is kind of going into all other things that you've worked on since. What lessons did you take from your time on ER into other productions that you've gone on to work on since? Well, I think, you know, the biggest one was just um, confidence within myself of uh, what I'd learned regards in around the steady cam and not to be afraid of movement, you know, um, 
in that in that respect and i th- and i think just a a lot of confidence because i think mm-hmm. uh, there was a couple of other little shows i went off um then i went off i went off and did a season of vampire diaries and uh, not too long like a year after that or whatever or whatever it was but i think i think just a lot of confidence in, in myself mm-hmm. and my capabilities and you know being able to just draw on the knowledge of all the different directors um that i you know learned to work with and understand and it was it really had helped teach me to work with different directors and have an understanding and try and interpret what they're looking for and try and give that and more you know right. so uh, yeah uh, er was like a huge vehicle an amazing platform to step off. I've we've heard from other people, particularly uh, behind the camera folks, about how the efficiency of the ER set and the ER production almost kind of, uh, particularly if it's your first job in in show business, that going on to other things after that, it's almost like what it doesn't work this way. Like we we don't get through fifteen pages of dialogue a day. Like we don't like hit our marks every day, every time. Like, did you find that was kind of the case for you after you moved on to other things? No, not like- really, because I, because I, you know, I, I, I came from feature films, you know, my initial start in the business was, you know, I did things like, the, you know, Aliens and Princess Bride and Willow, Horrors. <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of big films. And so uh, that, and also I say my father was in the business, so I grew up in mm-hmm. the business, which was all feature films. So that that's a completely different pace. So right. I, I already had that in my library, so to speak. So the, was there an adjustment? Is there an adjustment? Yes. Is there a reason why I'm still in TV today and didn't go back to feature films? Yes. I need the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to I- ask my wife. She'll tell you I'm like a nut around the house with my wife. That's... <laughs> Need TV. I need that buzz. I I do have to be unprofessional for a second and say my mother's going to be very jealous because of your connection to Willow and Princess Bride. She is obsessed with both of those and just so two incredibly just, movies. Just yeah. just have to rub that into her when I talk later. Um, <laughs> but one of the things we like to do is we like to give our listeners and fans a chance to ask some questions because we're getting an experience that they don't get to they don't get to talk so. We figure we'll we'll do them a solid and see if they have anything they want to ask. So one of the first questions we got was, "Who was the funniest person to be around on set?" Without a doubt, Clooney. <laughs> we're we're like ten for ten on that answer. He's like, <laughs> he's like the biggest joker of them all. Yeah. I mean, I have you know I have many stories, but one story I'll share with you, and that's my assistant, Toby White. Uh, you know, we used to have uh, George was a big clown, and he'd come on and he'd try and set you up all the time, and whatever. And he'd have this thing going on with Toby, my assistant. And uh, something went on. There was something anyway. Toby, unbeknownst to George, while he was on the set, went over to his trailer and filled all his clothes up and all his shoes with talcum powder. <laughs> when George had finished and went back to get changed, what his stuff. He got talcum powder all over him. Uh, all we remember, all we remember was his trailer door opening up and chatting. Toby! <laughs> 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 it 
<laughs> Obi run and hid so George couldn't find him. And there was there was all kinds of other stories that went on from that because which I can't indulge over the year. <laughs> but anyway, there were yeah, George was definitely, you know, and he would George would be on these diets sometime. He'd come in and he'd have like barrels of apples and all he was eating was apples. <laughs> You know, and anyway, you can imagine what that was like by mid-afternoon. No, after, no. And of course, George was right into that as well. So, yeah, uh, without a doubt. Uh, yeah. And then their other question, we've touched on this a little bit, but do you have any other um, favorite episodes or moments that you filmed that we haven't discussed? Not, not really. There was so many um, amazing moments on that. And as I say, I'm always in the always always in the moment, right? You right. Know? And there was many brilliant moments on that show that I can't, you know, I don't really have anything specific, you know. Totally, to totally yeah. fair. Like we joke, sometimes it's just another Thursday at work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and as somebody who um, did so many of them and was, you know, kind of in that moment for so long. Is do you find that it's uh, easier or more difficult to go back and revisit it now? Like you said, you rewatched some stuff um, before we talked today, but like, is it? Do you find that it's, it's uh, easier now? Talking to you guys, to be honest, it's the first time that I've gone back and looked at some shows. I have all the seasons up there, and I thought, well, maybe you know, in a, some years when I retire down the road, <laughs> have a bottle of wine and just you know, just stick the shows. Up. Slow but surely rewatch them all again and, and reminisce because you know, one of the greatest thing about it is that it doesn't matter how many years when I watch those episodes I, I get pulled right back in it was mm-hmm. lovely that's mm-hmm. what's so brilliant about it you know and um, and then these type of shows and it's the same as I say you know with like in my the beginning of my career doing these feature films you know the Princess Bride the Aliens and whatever it's like putting those on and going back again. I have to give a lot of time because mm-hmm. watch them. I it's like oh that's happening next. That's that. It's like I'm right there. <laughs> it's, all, it's all still right there again in my head. Right. Yeah. I don't think about it until I see it, and it's like boom, it's right there again. So it's um, yeah. Well, we can promise ER holds up. Oh, without we're, a doubt. We're 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 we're. we're... <laughs> Of course, or we wouldn't be doing this, but we're we're loving it on this watch through just as much as we have every other time before. So we're still and, good, and that it holds up for a, a younger generation. Too. Yes, we have we have people who are listeners of of ours that we've talked to who are still in high school who are discovering the show for the first yep. time, and they have just as strong of a connection to it as if they were watching, you know, twenty years ago. Well, the energy of these shows mm-hmm. just amazing. You know the energy and the emotion, and you know they're the reason being is they're still they're everyday stories. This stuff yeah. happens every day, and that's why people of all ages can relate because yeah. this still relates until that changes. This ain't going to change. Yeah, it's just it's so amazing to watch it find new audiences now that it's on Hulu and HBO Max. It's just like it's just going to keep going, and who knows who else is going to find it. Yeah. So it's it's been very exciting, but um. Are you working, I know you mentioned your NCIS project, but are you working on any other projects currently? And how can fans keep up with your work outside of ER? 
Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I, generally, I don't. You know, my season is on NCISLA is very similar to the season that used to be on ER. You know, mm -hmm. it's a it's a network season, and it's between nine and ten months of the year. And uh, when I when I was younger, and I used to have the hiatus, I used to be eager and look for always look for a film or do these mm -hmm. things. I have a couple of guys, a couple of mates of mine that are really talented cameramen mm -hmm. and uh we always talk and uh if they was to get you know an interesting project or movie uh that works in a hiatus period i would probably do it because i love mm -hmm. working with them and they're very talented but in general no i take it off i have that time off and um i spend it you know at home mainly with the wife now because the kids are off you know my uh, pursuing their careers my daughter's in the business is makeup and uh my son i was in the business local lady is a grip so you know they're off doing they're off doing their things um so yeah so uh, i enjoy my home time uh regards staying in uh touch with me um i have a site on um instagram under highbury gunners and when I'm generally at work on NCILA, I'm a fashion nut. So generally I do posts every day or every other day of kind of a wardrobe or a situation that I'm in on set. <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Hybrid Gunners on Instagram. That's you what are, I You are the best dressed man to come out of ER. That's for sure. Without <laughs> doubt. They can say that without a doubt. <laughs> So one final question that we make a habit out of asking everybody we talk to, what do you think it is important for fans of ER to know about it from your unique perspective? In other words, when you think back on your time on the show, what would you want fans to know about the experience that wouldn't necessarily be clear just from watching? Well, I think, you know, just, just the fact of, you know, right from the writing of the stories was to write the way through to our med techs, that works with the actors on the show was to work really hard to make these stories as real as they could be, you know, from that point of view. And then from our standpoint, technically from camera was just, you know, the quality and the hard work that went in with the energy and the combination of the two with the stories and the acting and the technical side of it was, an absolute dream and an absolute pleasure and it was filmmaking at its best and i think you see that as an end result and, and uh, i feel blessed to have part of that.